Hey guys, welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast with your hosts Peter Fendero and myself Matt Slarchuk. This is a podcast where we tackle current health news and hot nursing topics one conversation at a time. Guys, thank you for messing with us. We see the downloads. We appreciate you. We know where you are. We're, <laughs> lis- we're listening. You are listening and we really appreciate it. We can say we love you. Um, news, we're getting stuff done and as time is rolling by, this website should be almost out, guys. So thank you for being patient with us. We'll have a lot of things rolling out in the next few weeks or even days as you're listening to this. So stay tuned and keep on listening, keep on sharing. We appreciate it. Petey, how are you doing today? No, I'm doing good. You know, one of my better days. Rainy day here in Chicago, you know, but no big deal. No, no big deal. But the day seems to be getting like a lot shorter. Like I feel like after July things, or, like after the beginning of July things start to like turn to winter almost. Yeah. Yeah. But today, Matt, today guys, we have a special guest on. His name is Kamil Schleds. Kamil is a circulating and scrub nurse, which means he works in the OR. You know, it's our first OR nurse here. He's also in school and becoming a nurse practitioner. He has hopes of working in a clinic or an acute setting with with a surgeon, so in the OR. He also has his own YouTube channel, and it is called Kamil Kama RM, where he talks about nursing school, nursing students, and nurses with speech impediments and, and stutters. You can also find him on Instagram at Kamil RM underscore. How's it going, Kamil? I'm pretty good, Peter. Matt, you guys? Good. We're chilling. Yeah, man, we're chilling. Yeah, dude, this, these coffees though, man. Thank you for getting this coffee for us. Yeah, man. But I'm telling you, they made it wrong. They made it wrong. I've had this coffee twice before this, and they were both made perfectly. This time it just tastes like black coffee. What kind of coffee is it though? It's um, uh, our cocoa, almond milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a new Something one. like that, I don't know. Yeah, Starbucks always comes up with some with some new things. Yeah. So Kami, like, tell us a little bit about like background of you and being a circulatory nurse, because I only shadowed this yarding once. Other than that, I just got cut open. I never know how it is being a OR nurse. Yeah, so um, you know what? Even I, when I first um, got interested in um, being an OR nurse, I had no idea what a what a circulating nurse is. I had no idea. I had a vague idea what a scrub nurse was, you know, from nursing school, but um, I had no clue. So I did some research. Um, before I applied and um, so basically what a circulating nurse is versus a scrub nurse um, so I'll the first clarify that I guess right so a uh, scrub nurse is the nurse or scrub tech a uh, surgical tech who's inside the sterile field. They're um, actually like handing off the instruments into the surgeon's hand. They're in charge of maintaining the sterile field, a back table. That's like their job, right? And this could be a RN or a scrub tech. Um, and a circulating nurse is basically the nurse um, who it's the person inside the OR that basically like runs the show like this is this you're, is you're kind of responsible for their OR, yeah. what's happening right yeah, exactly so as the circulating nurse I'm in charge of you know um, interviewing the 
patient preoperatively, ensuring we have the correct patient, correct surgery, correct correct um, uh, correct operative site. There you go, um, and also. I'm responsible for our, for all the uh, computer work I charge in the OR as a circulating nurse. I'm in charge of, um, of obtaining any specimens of the field um, and uh, appropriately labeling them. Also, um, making sure at the end of the surgery all the um, instruments and sharps and sponges are accounted for, you know, because you don't want to leave anything inside the patient yes. after a surgery, right? So, so for example, in the ICU, a stressful day to me is having a patient that's crashing, that I'm getting medications, that maybe family is being a little bit too much or different kind of scenarios makes my ICU shift hard, right? Yeah. What's like a stressor in your environment as a strictly respiratory nurse that yeah. You're like, damn, that was a tough shift. So, I guess a uh, stressful uh, thing for a circulating nurse is like a hard case or a needs a needy surgeon. Okay. Um, so, um, and what I mean by that is if it's a case, and by case, I mean uh, surgery where um, the surgeon is asking for all these things that are, that are not in the room, things that I have to leave the OR for to get because how operating rooms are set up is that they're um, in the middle of the department and in between all the ORs, you have this area called the sterile core, which is where they keep all the supplies, instruments, and stuff like that. And it's also where they keep a Pixis to okay. to get any medication. So if the if the surgeon starts asking for you know supplies that are out in the sterile core, you have to go out and back in, and then he asks for like another thing, and everything is like have, rushed in that yeah, time. Yeah, rushed. Or if the if the anesthesiologist or CRNA um, decides to order a unit of blood, you know, then it's on me to order it in the chart and then call down to blood bank and you know let them know that. We need the stat, and they either tube it up in the tube system, or I call the the uh, surgical aid to go down to the blood bank to pick it up. And yeah, basically like cases that are um, like hard and where you need a lot of things, and um, also there's a few of them in one day. You know, they expect you to turn over a room in like 15 minutes and be ready for the next surgery. 
That's wild. Do you have like, do you prefer one over the other? Like, do you prefer to be a circulatory or do you prefer to be like the other um, so all your strolls? I prefer being a, a circulating nurse because I work in a smaller hospital. Um, all the all, all, all of the RNs um, at my work are expected to know how to scrub and circulate. So um, and all the new hire RNs are orientated to scrub and circulate. Like I, I had an um, my orientation was nine months long and yeah, slow rotation. Yeah, for the first. Four months I scrubbed I, uh, with another scrub tech or a scrub nurse, and then for the last about four months of my orientation, I circulated. Yeah. What do you like? What are the common surgeries you see? Do you just do like a lot of GI stuff? Do you work like cardiac? Do you work anything specific, or do you just do general surgery? So, once again, because uh, I work in a smaller hospital. Every nurse is also more or less expected to know how to scrub and circulate each service, you know, like uh, ortho, vascular, uh, gynae, um, yeah. Cases like that. Yeah. And that, that's very common in most, like, you know, you have like your um, cardiovascular surgeons that you do little interventions yeah. and things like that. So like. As a med surgeon nurse, for example, I usually have a tech, patient care tech, and sometimes I delegate tasks to them, right? Like little things yeah, yeah. that they could do, like ADL things, right? Activities of yeah. living. As a circulatory nurse, do you have like a tech that you delegate tasks yeah, to and so, they operate under your license? Yeah, so in the operating room, you do have a, um, what's called a The surgical aide, okay. which is basically a CNA um, who's trained to um, help out, you know, in the operating room. They make beds. They, you know, if they uh, they bring the patients into the OR, they, uh, yeah, stuff like that. Okay, and you know, so Peter knows you longer than me. Yeah, and so. He, I know you've been struggling, for example, with the speech impediment that yeah, we, yeah. Could, we could get into. So, one one of my questions is is like, how has that affected your life? You know, because I'm yeah. sure this has been like a you know journey for you, and that's that's amazing yeah. that you actually came today and you podcast with us. I'm sure it must be like you know, made you anxious and things like that. So I'm really appreciate you coming. I would love to talk about that. Thanks. Yeah, and I'm sure you can tell I'm still anxious now. You know, like although you're doing great, man. I do have this. Uh, YouTube, uh, this YouTube uh, the channel. channel. Um, it's only me and the, the camera. We're here, you know. I have more people in the room. It's just like a actual podcast, you know. Like, you know, it's intimidating. But no, like going back to your question. Um, yeah, my daughter has like shaped who I am. I think, um, and. Uh, when I was younger and like I started to realize that having a stutter is like, you know, not normal. I, I think I was in like, in I think 
fourth or fifth grade where like I first started to get made fun of for it. I was like, shit, like, what's wrong with me, you know? And then I just started to like uh, close myself off and be shy. But ultimately, though, I feel like um, I stutter as an opportunity, you know. I feel like every time I um, work on be um, becoming more fluent, like I feel like I become a better person, you know. I'm like becoming um, the best version of myself, yeah. as in, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting because, like, I've known you since probably high school, right? Yeah. Um, and, like, like I know you, I, I know you had a speech moment like, the whole time. Yeah. But, I don't know, I, I didn't think nothing of it. I know, like, yeah. It was just, like, somebody to play soccer with, you yeah. know? Just somebody just, just, like, you just hang out with. It was, I didn't see it, like, as a big deal. And now, when, now even if I, like, patients or, like, family members have speech impediments, like, it's not, like, that big of a deal. Like, yeah. I don't see it as that big of a deal. Yeah. And I was always so... Uh, curious about that. I was like, out of all my friends, like, Peter is the only one who, like, won't even acknowledge that I have a stutter, and I, like, loved it. I was like, damn, he just sees me as, you know, like you said, like, a I don't play soccer with, you know? Yeah, I just, yeah. I don't know, like, there's, dude, there's people, like, thousands of people that, are, that have just the same issue as you, you know? Oh, yeah. Not just this one individual with this issue, it's, like, a common thing. It's, exactly. It's not the end of the world, like, you know, not so like down talking. It, it, it could be worse. Like you know, there's people going through some other like yeah, hard yeah. stuff in their life. But well, yeah, I mean, I've like literally, it's, I don't know, like speech impediments like have not been like a, ever like a big issue. Like, yeah. and and I feel like sometimes we tend to psych ourselves out, man. Yeah. So with anything, we tend to kind of like put ourselves in this three D like or this like eagle eye that we're kind of like always analyzing ourselves. And when you're analyzing yourself, you're always like, you know, the ego is kind of rising. You're always comparing or, yeah. oh, I said that. I said it this way. Oh, this person looked at me this way. Oh, she didn't laugh at this. And it's like you're constantly analyzing so oh, much. Yeah, yeah. And like what happens is you just get stuck in your damn head. And, th and that becomes so rough. And, you know, you're saying maybe you had that too. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You, how do you break loose of those chains? How do you break away from that, you know? Yeah, because like, I mean... I stuttered before, like if I, you know, people, like I post stutter, yeah, like, you know, by anxiety. accident, and it's like no big deal, but like, the thing is that not the actual act of stuttering, I think it's more like, for me, because, I mean, I stutter on occasion, like if I get nervous or something, I, I might stutter, no yeah. big deal, it happens to everybody, but the hardest part isn't the actual act of stuttering, it's just like, the aftermath, because you're just like, thinking about how I would have said differently, or yeah. why did I do that, it's just like, not the actual act itself, that, that, that puts you down, it's the thoughts after it, yeah, and you exactly. kind of got to overcome yeah. it, just like, it just happens, you know? And like, you beat yourself up. And I've had countless situations where after an experience I had where I got like, I had a very hard stutter, you know, I locked on a word in front of a person I like want to impress or like, respect a lot and afterwards I'm like damn it like why did I do that you know like I could have just like slowed down took a breath and yeah and but that gets you nowhere you know and it makes it harder because we built this program where we wake up the next day and we think of that memory oh, and then you you remember the thought that you told yourself yesterday 
So the same thought is creating the same emotions and yeah, you feel yeah, yeah. and you're it's like you're on you're high in your own supply and you're putting yourself down every single mm-hmm. day. And like I could relate to you, man, because you know, even though I advocate for like self love, I always talk about it. Like I am my own like heart critic and I beat myself yeah. up, man. Like like my, my mental game, it's the reason why it's so hard is because I developed thick skin from the interior because I beat myself up all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have recently heard this uh, YouTube video. Um, like, there are these two brothers, I think they're from uh, Sweden or Norway, but they have also stutters and they have this like cool approach where um, they treat stuttering as like a symptom of something else like that's going on in your mind because obviously you know anatomically speaking I I have all the you know organs and everything to like speak right all the parts and uh, it's just like it's a symptom of something else and that could be even applied to like anxieties and well yeah all sorts of stuff not only a speech impediment right so do you know if like has anybody like is there any kind of genetics that could in, like impact it or is yeah. like an, an event that could happen like do they know where like it stems from like what part of the brain yeah, may so be affected? There's not much uh, known about stuttering like you said uh, in there are cases reported reported where it's uh, in uh, it's it's genetic um, my mom always said when she was younger she had a speech impediment she had a stutter like me and it took her moving to America with like a whole new start where she not only had a stutter but she didn't know how to speak English you know that made her speak fluently um, also yeah there are cases like I even know a few people who started this other after like a a traumatic experience they either saw a crazy accident you know and that like scared them you know yeah do you know where like yours could stem from like, yeah. do, like oh, is there any way like to, tra- to trace it back like like per per individual like is there is there a, like yeah, yeah yeah I like this um, I, so I remember um, uh, two years ago, I think I was like uh, 16 or, yeah, like about 16 years old, I uh, went to see a speech therapist at like, a, at like an outpatient clinic, right, and we just like talked for a few hours and it wasn't even like doing exercises for fluency, she just like asked me questions and I answered them myself and um, like we both came to the conclusion that when I was younger like um, like every boy I, I had a need to to impress my dad right I'm just like I have to do anything so I guess I get his uh, attention and more so his uh, approval and respect but he's, you know, he's the kind of guy who... Typical Polish dad. Yeah, he just, like, works, you know, 
works as hard as he can and you know he comes home he's exhausted and I just feel like um, he never like hurt heard me out you know and maybe that's what um, caused it where like I felt like what I had to say wasn't important enough so just I like closed in on myself also I can definitely see that perhaps for me also like my my mindset to almost everything is just to get things done as fast and as efficiently as I can and maybe like subconsciously I'm applying that to my speech and I'm just like rushing through my words and yeah. So I know kind of prior to the show we talked a little bit about mindfulness and I think you yeah. mentioned you meditate, you could also journal and all yeah, this yeah. kind of stuff. Have you noticed an improvement in the speech impediment as you yeah. applied mindfulness into your yeah. life? Yeah, so at the moment, you know, because I'm in front of a microphone and all that stuff and um, like I'm obviously stuttering, you know, there's no hiding it, but I feel like um, even this is an improvement to how my speech was recently. Um, I think uh, a few months ago, my speech just like took a turn for the worse. Um, and um, it wasn't until I had a situation at work where I was the circulating nurse uh, for this ortho case, it was a total knee, and um, as the circulating nurse, one of my more important responsibilities is the pre-incision timeout, where I have to say, all right, everybody in the room, stop and listen to what I'm going to say, you know, I'm up and I just like say, you know, I confirm that this is the correct patient, correct procedure, any allergies, any antibiotics the patient got, all that kind of stuff. So I went to go do this timeout and for the first time I just got incredibly just like stuck on the patient's name and I just kept on trying to force out the word and this was like at the beginning of the I'm out. Um, I was just so stuck and I felt like everybody was just staring, staring at me. The ortho surgeon, his NP, the anesthesiologist in the room, and the uh, scrub nurse in, in the room as well. And these are all people that I like very much respect, like, right. you know. And I was just like, damn it. But I like um, somehow managed my way through it by just like completely forcing through my blocks. It was so ugly. But after that, I just felt like I hit rock bottom. So I thought I should do something about it. So I started to meditate and do like exercise, um, deep breathing exercises and it's helped me a lot. Okay, wow. So like, have you tried like, like other things? Like what would you recommend for nurses or um, nursing students like had to have a speech impediment going through nursing school or being nurses like they talk about the breathing techniques is there other things that, that you did yeah so i read out loud every single day at the 
beginning of my day and at the end of my day. It just helps me um, get into the into the mindset that I can speak fluently because the interesting about uttering is that when I'm alone, I speak fluently. Or when I'm uh, swearing, I also speak fluently. It's so interesting because it's, it's all interesting. like it's all in the mind. And also when I sing, I'm also completely fluent. So if I talk like I'm singing, I can speak completely fluently without any, you know. That's issues. so interesting. It's just all in the mind, and it's just insane. I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. Mm -hmm. So you have no like symptoms technically when you're singing and yeah. when you're alone and swearing or and swear. swearing yeah the the swearing comes from the polar genetics yeah i know like in high school i would swear a lot like with our group of friends because i didn't want you guys to think you know like you know like i'm slower you know or anything like that so i was just like i want to swear a lot and i'll speak fluently because yeah. that's how i'm you know that's how i make it yeah. That's on in the end, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, what would you tell like a nurse? Because like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just like hearing your story, I'm just like, you know, that's a lot of pressure, man. Just being in there and being responsible for a human being, you already ha you already have a nasty ass surgeon or whatever the case might be. Might come in, they have a bad day, and you feel that vibe. It affects you. Yeah. Now you're under a lot of stress, and you got to do a surgical timeout, and everybody's staring at you. Hey, yeah. this is Susie Q. She's 87. She's about to get a left total knee. And that's a lot of pressure, man. So, like, what would you tell a nurse, nursing student, anybody that's listening that maybe has a little bit of a stutter or, you know, they, they have some kind of impairment like that? Yeah. First of all, um, what's cool about working in the operating room is that you always have a mask on. Okay. So, even if you do get stuck, people can't really see at first that, you know, he's, you know, he has a so that kind of eases the anxiety because okay. I should get stuck on a word and you know people are just gonna think that I speak slowly that I'm just taking a break um, but that's a good question I think that uh, what I would tell a nursing student or a nurse was a stutter or anybody who is thinking about going into nursing um, is that don't let your speech uh, impediment control the, the, the decisions you make uh, because excuse me because if I completely let go and let my speech uh, control my life I would not be you know in the position I am now where I have a you know kid paying job, I'm in NP school, I'm engaged, you know, to like this this amazing girl, you know. Um, so just don't let your stutter control the decisions you make because that's not gonna make you happy. Yeah. I feel like something I got from that is, you know, don't become a victim of something that you can't change, correct? Because yeah. we tend to victimize a this shit ton all the damn time and we it that thing becomes controlling on us and we feel like a loss of control and now you notice this and I feel like right now you're doing this you're talking with us like you're conquering a damn day like this yeah. feels damn good amazing 
And that's that's the mindset that you have to wake up and yeah. have every day. Is like, this is what I have. I accept it, exactly. but I'm going to take on the day. And you yeah. feel like a boss every single day when you do that. Yeah. But then to head on to that, it's like what we talked about earlier. Like I bet you, you know, like the moment I put my mental guard down, you know, like whether it be after a stressful day or, you know, like late at night when I'm having a hard time falling asleep, I'm going to think back to this interview and be like, damn, I could have spoken so much more fluently. And then I become like a, you know, like you said, um, my own worst critic, you know, like instead of focusing on the fact, like I conquered my fears and I went on a, like a podcast like this, you know, instead of thinking positively, automatically, I'm just like, no, like I could have done much better. And yeah. 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 It's crazy how our mind works that way. It, it, like, is, it is. It's a lot easier easier for us to remember somebody that this went bad to us than somebody that this went good to us. Like you always remember like when somebody pissed you off or yeah. when somebody said said the wrong thing to you or yeah, like you know, one small thing. It's one small thing. Yeah. But all the other times, you know, they brought you candy, they they helped you with other stuff. You don't remember. Like you don't remember any of this. Yeah. And that's how you kinda of are with yourself too. And what's crazy about it is is like once you have these thoughts and you continue, it hops like like a cycle. It's like a loop. Yeah. Like the more you think about it, the more negative thoughts about this you have, the more negative thoughts you're gonna have in the future. Why? Because like your brain is so used to these negative thoughts where that's the norm. It's easier for you to think of negative thoughts because you've been because you've been doing this for the last three months, four months, yeah. six months, X amount of time. And it's a lot harder to you for you to break that cycle as longer as if, if it's if it like keeps going on and on. Yeah. It's a lot harder to insert a happy thought and a positive emotion, you know, when you've been thinking about these negative things for six months. Yeah. You know, it's hard to break the cycle. Like with like with anything, like with even when you're eating unhealthy, it's hard to break that. Okay. If you're if you're you smash McDonald's once a day for the past two months, and then McDonald's hits the spot every time. McDonald's, no matter how often you get McDonald's, it always hits the spot. Those McNuggets, yeah. always fire. And if you keep doing that day in and day out, it's gonna be so easy for you to keep doing it, and it's gonna be so much harder for you to break that cycle and actually cooking yourself a meal. It's kinda of how it works mentally too. You know, yeah. it's, you, you basically build your mind, and if you build it the wrong way, or if you keep living the wrong way, it's just gonna be a cycle, and you're never gonna get out of it, like drugs. Yeah. yeah. And I think like the biggest difference I noticed about the cycle is, like travel nursing, you know, like you completely live somewhere else and you work a def- different damn job and it completely like breaks that damn program that we mm-hmm. built. Like you don't realize how routine your life is yeah. till you do something different. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit what you think. You might know yourself so well, if you change your routine, you'll pick up on the littlest damn thing. Like imagine living in a new place and just figuring, like you have to put mental capacity into figuring where plates, spoons, forks are and things like that. And then you start like reprogramming those building blocks that created and enslaved you in a, in a way, you know, it's like reverse engineering. And that's why people yeah. say vacations are a good thing because it's Definitely. a break from your cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I guess like another thing that I wanted to add uh, to your ramble, my ramble previous, <laughs> yeah, your uh, previous question there about like what I would, um, that's back on the pipe. <laughs> like uh, what I would uh, add, like say to uh, 
nurse who's uh, wanting to get into nursing is that um, also um, once you find your rhythm, right? Things get much easier speech-wise. Like you, at first, I feel like you're just intimidated. You don't know what you're gonna have to say um, because with people that stutter, they always think ahead. Like, what am I gonna have to say? Like, uh, and then they see if they're gonna get stuck on that word or not. So once you get that. Um, once you get a rhythm going, it uh, really helps with your fluency at work. These uh, past uh, two weeks, I've um, spoken for the most part fluently. I uh, look forward to my timeouts where I can see this as an opportunity to prove to myself I can do this instead of backing away and asking another nurse to do it and feeling defeated. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I ask you, since you were since you've been working in OWA for so long, do you guys do a lot of bowel resections? Yeah. We do oh well not a lot of them, but um, they're pretty common, like they're not rare. Um, yeah, I heard about your um whole accident, that's crazy man. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. I was just, I was just curious. Like what's like the the craziest thing you've seen? Oh yeah. That's hard. Um, that's very hard. So like, uh, um, not inc not including foreign body removal. Yeah. I feel like the most insane thing I've seen, and this is hard because you see a lot of things, you yeah. know, that are cool. Um, but um, <laughs> it was uh, we had this young guy. He was I think in his late twenties or early. 30s, he had sickle cell disease, and uh, which caused him to have chronic, long-lasting erections. Like, all right, to the point where like, like uh, his penis would become ischemic. It was, and it was like extremely painful. Like, it was insane. But I was even uh, like interviewing him and I just like uh, I went to go adjust his sheets you know even that like light pressure he was like in extreme pain he's like oh no um, yeah. it was it was insane so what the um, like usually what is done with this kind of uh, with this condition which is called ischemic Um, where you know the, the erection won't go down, won't go down uh, because uh, because blood won't escape. You know, is uh, usually it's done in the ER. You take like a fourteen gauge needle and just transferred out a blood uh, out of his penis. Uh, specifically from the corpus cavernosum, which is like the tissue that fills with blood and mm. gives you an erection, right? 
and um, this guy uh, had it so bad that he had to go into the OR. The urologist said, you know, that uh, if this happens to him again, he's gonna have to get his penis amputated, right? So what they do, like they mangle the hell out of the penis. It was so hard to even watch, but like, I just like <laughs> watched it because I was like, I've never seen this. And also, yeah, it was just like interesting too, where, so they make two incisions on the Killian's penis, you know, like next year you get urethra with a knife, you just go in, in, and then they take these like long, uh, they're called dilators, these like um, long like um, they're metal rods basically that they then put into each of the holes to just like open up that that incision and make it deeper. The pressure. Yeah, and they just like they first make the hole. So this is called the this is called the shunt. And then after that, the urologist squeezes the penis to just get all the deoxygenated blood out, all the clots out, and everything. Just squeeze it, keeps on squeezing. He's like, oh man, like milking a cow, you know, yeah. just get blood just gushing out, and it, it was just so hard to see. And then, uh, you know, he puts the rod in again, you know, like opens it up again, and then squeezes again, and it was just, it was just insane. And then after that, he just uh, he sutured it closed and said, you know, like. You gotta manage your sickle cell and because if it happens again, you know, yeah. no more penis. And he was young too, it was just, which is, and it was hard to see like this thing that is so, that is supposed to give you pleasure and like it's good, you know, just like causes mass causing pain. so much pain. They talk about a good thing going south, right? Man, that, that's wild because, you know, like I've I've always sliced open and I know how like that pain is. Like, imagine yeah. that on your penis. Yeah. No way. No way. Fuck that, dude. That'd be wild, man. Or if you have to get it multiple times, because it's probably not yeah. the first time, right? No. It, it, Fuck that. It, so I think this was his third time in the OR having this done. Poor guy. Poor guy, yeah. And he also had a fiance with him, you know, so. Poor lady. Yeah. That's what's up, guys. Yeah, single cell is crazy. Like, people. Sickle cell is pretty common, so a lot of times people don't think nothing of it, because it is a pretty common common issue, especially in African Americans, and yeah, like she was African American. Yeah, like people see it as no big issue, but it has a lot of like medical issues down the road. There's a lot of stuff that that like spirals out of sickle cell, especially if it's uncontrolled. Like you know, like that guy had, had the whole um, I'm not sure what it was called, the prior prism or whatever. Yeah, he, he named it, but yeah, like sickle cell caused a lot of issues. Same with like uncontrolled diabetes. Like you're you'll be fine. With all much of diabetes for a while, but eventually it's gonna catch right up to you. Till you go it's, blind. Yeah, till you go blind. You know, same with sickle cell. Like it's very, it's a pretty common issue, but it's just like as you get older and it's out control, like it builds on these effects and it yeah. doesn't always end well. Yeah, and the worst thing is is that it's a circulatory issue for those that don't know. So your red blood cells aren't a perfect circle; they're like moon shaped. Sometimes they're irregular, 
and that creates clots and vasculature, sometimes microclotting. These people require a lot of damn pain. And as lack of O2. Lack of O2. And as in this case, you know, freaking clotted up his penis and he needed to get that um, milked. That's yeah. actually very, very vivid. I'll probably remember this story for yeah. the longest. And what's insane, I also asked the urologist. Also, um, I think my favorite, my favorite uh, service in the OR, I think, is urology. Just because, like, at least in our hospital, like being in a OR with a urologist is like being in a bar. Like you have like um, penis jokes nonstop. You know <laughs> they're just hilarious guys. You know like they work with penises their whole life, right? So like you don't need you would only expect a. Imagine the aura room was going on. Yeah. Right? Oh my gosh. I once um, this is I, I'm, this is off topic, but I uh, once heard a surgeon say that the OR is the last place in America that um, isn't uh, politically correct. Like you can say anything you want. Um, but I forgot the question again. I was gonna say something. Yeah, I don't know, did you ask my question? No. I, I was gonna ask you guys, is music in your Oh yeah, like all the time. What's like a popular genre? So, you always, uh, you're always safe doing like 80s rock, you know, because um, everybody like, enjoys, you know, like a the classic oldies, but- um, In trap? There's a few surgeons that like to listen to like hard rock, like screamo, yeah, death metal, yeah. and I'm just like interesting, but they're amazing surgeons. Oh, here's what I was gonna say. Um, I uh, asked the urologist that was uh, doing this surgery, and I asked him like, what happens if you have to amputate the penis? It's called a penectomy, either uh, completely amputated or like half of it, um, like the ischemic part. If they completely amputate it, they actually make a a urethral opening behind your scrotum, and it's a P. Is that interesting? Uh, do they put like a like a fake one on? Like is that oh like reconstruction? So if if they're a candidate, they could get a penile implant, I guess. But if they don't even have anything there? I'm not sure. That's a good question. Damn interesting. Dude. Like, like you said, like an organ that like, you know, people used to like make, make love, give you pleasure, give you this, you know, it's sensation, like good, you know? Yeah. It's crazy how that works, man. Yeah, it's nuts. Alrighty, Common. We really appreciate you yeah. as a guest. We appreciate you came out and conquered the day with us. Yeah. You know, and we could find you at where? Common. I know. I got you. I know where you're at. I look, I look at them every time. Maybe you'll have us on your show yeah, sometime. That'll be fun. But I'm pretty sure you're at Kamil Kamal RN on YouTube. Yep. Right? And Kamil Kamal RN. And then Kamil RN underscore on Instagram. Underscore on Instagram, yeah. So, uh, right. like, I haven't been as active recently, you know, because of COVID and all this stuff going on at work and also uh, in my personal life. But I um, have a 
few upcoming videos coming out. So, yeah, check me out. All right, cool. Thank you, Camille. Thank you guys for tuning in. Catch you next time. Peace out. Peace.